Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with Chris Moss and Jake Peach. Thank you for all getting involved in the podcast over the last few weeks. It uh, really means a lot to us. Uh, Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO Podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with all the latest things going on with the podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be looking ahead to race week three in Portimao. We need to take a look back at a fantastic race a couple of weeks ago and we're also going to be looking at returning to Turkey for this season. Yes, very exciting. And also we'll look at the drivers and constructors table, seeing how the championship looks. And we'll also share any paddock gossip we've noticed. And of course, our predictions for the Grand Prix this week. And Chris, let's start with the race from Imola. Well, Jake, what a race it was. We saw Lewis Hamilton get pole number 99. And we saw an absolutely titanic battle up until we saw drama and we saw overtakes and we saw wet to dry conditions we had everything all in one race you know we're talking about a season to begin with we've had two great races already and yet we've got another 21 more to go yeah already two races in and it feels like the calendar has only just started this weekend uh, in normal circumstances i guess and there were 21 races so we're so lucky as fans to have this amount of racing already and it's really really good and this battle between Max and Lewis really seems to be something we've all been looking for for ages but now we're getting it we're getting what the fans want yeah absolutely and you know Red Bull really taking it to Mercedes this year could potentially be the faster car Uh, some tracks would definitely benefit them over the Mercedes and other tracks look like Mercedes got the upper edge I'd say Imola definitely seemed to be a Mercedes taking it to Red Bull. But, you know, we, we, we ended up seeing a complete different result. We saw Max absolutely dominating over the weekend uh, and, and getting getting the, the race. And um, obviously we saw Lewis making a very, very rare mistake as well, mm. uh, trying to overtake George Russell for then a lap later, George and Valtteri having a, having a collision. <laughs> what did you make of that? <laughs> well, I mean, there were many, many, many memes, of course, weren't there, after the race. And um, it's no secret that Russell wants Bottas' seat for next season. He knows that um, Bottas' seat is the more achievable option to get into Mercedes rather than obviously Lewis um, retiring. Because it doesn't look like Lewis may want to go anywhere to any time soon really I mean he's on top of the world isn't he? he's on the best form of his life and um yeah it was interesting though because obviously the, there were changeable conditions as you mentioned earlier during the race so it made the track really difficult and there was only sort of one dry line as, as the track went from wet to dry um and if cars obviously go on the wet patch uh, on these slick dry tires it's very very risky and you and well you, you don't have any control over the car really once you put your or all, all wheels on on that side of the track, and um, Russell was going for this overtake, wasn't he? In a Williams uh, around the outside of a Mercedes, uh, which a lot of people have made a point about, and um, felt like he genuinely could have overtaken Bottas, who was not having the best days. Uh, it, it's probably fair to say. Um, and yeah, Russell, I think in the heat of the moment, kind of thought that 
Bottas had been a little bit unfair and maybe saw this rivalry get in the way a little bit and um, got out of the car, didn't he, straight away. Went and ran over to Bottas and sort of gave him a tap on the head, not to check if he was okay, but rather that was like, nice one, mate. Look at us now. We're both out of the race. Well done. Um, so, yeah, tensions rising. Maybe maybe it was um, a little bit tactical by Russell. He wants to um, ruffle the feathers a little bit. That's how I saw it. Potentially that could have been the case. Um I mean, Toto Wolf didn't find it very amusing at all, saying, you know, you either got a chance of being in a Mercedes seat or Renault Clio Cup. And I think both him and George Russell both agreed that I was more Renault Clio Cup. Um, but it's not the first time that we've seen Bottas struggle in these types of conditions. We saw it in Turkey last year, the race which decided the, uh, the championship for Lewis Hamilton. Bottas just kept spinning out of the way. He didn't spin so much uh, a couple of weeks ago. But he did see him struggling. I mean, eighth in qualifying in dry conditions. And then, you know, battling, like you say, with a Williams, arguably one of the slower cars on the grid, you know, and George Russell, who took the fight to Bottas when they were in the same car in uh, in Sakir last year, you know, it kind of proves a point that maybe Bottas is, is just struggling in that car, whereas Lewis is, you know, he's fighting for wins already. Yeah, and you could also look at it as that Bottas is, is a finished driver and has that uh, rallying kind of experience driving on ice in, in, in that country. And they're very notoriously good for that kind of car control. But it seems when it comes to changeable conditions, Bottas does not like it one bit. And yeah, you referenced Turkey last year. It was uh, That was proof. Um, so yeah, maybe something for him to, to work on. But we know that Bottas is very determined to... Give it one last push, I guess. I kind of maybe see this as his last sort of calling, his last opportunity to take it to Lewis and, well, potentially Max this year as well as another challenger. And it doesn't look like it's going that way at the moment. But as you say, we've got 21 other races this season and um, a lot can happen between now and then, as we know. Absolutely. And obviously, we we, we made predictions at the start of the season as to uh, teams we thought we were going to do well. Um, <laughs> can we not revisit this? Come on. We're, we're, we're going to go with McLaren at the minute and uh, what a performance first of all from the McLaren team both cars in the points but Lando getting a podium what a race mm. he had he had absolute blistering pace he was you know before his lap time got deleted in qualified he was on the front row of the grid you know absolute blistering pace all weekend and you know team orders came into play but perfectly executed by McLaren and a very, very well-deserved podium. And obviously, we saw Lewis and Lando battling for several laps at the end for P2. Yeah, it was very exciting to see that. And it's almost like McLaren has been reborn in, in some sense. You know, I mean, you, Chris, growing up in sort of the time we were first watching the sport, like in the Hamilton days, it seems like the performance-wise, they're very, very close to getting back to that. And Lando is kind of the young prodigy in like Lewis Hamilton was back in that, that day. I, I guess people could be making those comparisons at the moment. But yeah, as you say, I was gutted when he was putting in that that um that what well, purple lap, wasn't it? He was he was faster than anyone at, on that lap that got deleted. Um and he just dipped his wheels outside the the four his what his four wheels outside the white line and um they were being very hot on track limits, weren't they, given the previous race um and all the track limits saga surrounding that. So I was pretty gutted for Lando because he was he was on it. Um he dropped some time in the third sector though, so I don't think he, he still would have been um obviously not on pole, but he was something like two thousandths off 
off of that in, in second place, wasn't he? So it would have been great to see a McLaren in the mix. But um, yeah, he still drove a great race and had still had that better pace over Ricardo, who we mentioned on the last podcast, um, who's just still taking a bit of time to adjust to his to his new car, um, going from Renault, obviously, to McLaren. So um, I think that will come, though, and uh, it will be... It'll be fairly evenly matched, I reckon, sort of four or five races in. Because um, they're just, it's totally different machinery as well. It's, it's all different um, setup, but all different settings to get to know on the steering wheel. The chassis feel, probably feels so much different to a Renault. Uh, the engine, of course, is a Mercedes, which has changed for him as well. So there's a lot lot to kind of deal with there, isn't there? Which is, I guess, is a fair point. It is. And I say, you're talking about drivers that are having to adjust to going to new teams. Carlos Sainz, second race in Ferrari, getting a fifth mm. place after, you know, a pretty shambolic qualifying for, for the uh, young Spaniard. But Ferrari as a whole team, compared to last season, they're, they're coming on very strong. Uh, Charles Leclerc getting fourth place in qualifying, finishing fourth as well in the race. And and his teammate back up there in fifth as well. Very strong points for Ferrari. And, you know, they're up into fourth in the constructors already. Yeah, if you looked this time last year um, at sort of a similar similar kind of a pace they would have been nowhere near would they to what they're achieving at the moment and it seems like they've got their uh, ducks in a row and seem to be finally getting somewhere it's still a long way back though isn't it from from the glory days of, of Vettel winning in Malaysia in 2018 and all the past history that we we know too well about with um, Schumacher Alonso and, and Massa winning races Raikkonen in the past but um, it certainly seems like they're on the right the right track, which is which is good to see. Being the well, the one and only team to be in the sport right from the start. Yeah, it was a point that the that the commentary team made on Sky Sports um, over the past week that you know Ferrari have got a good setup for the future. They've got two young drivers that you know they've got quite a few years left in them. You know, and they're looking to build on that. That they, they could be there for a good long time you know Schumacher was at Ferrari for 10 years Barrichello was there for about four or five like that sort of partnership built and built a championship team that's what Ferrari are now looking at I mean Sebastian Vettel his, his performance started to, to wear off towards the end of his tenure at Ferrari but you know Charles you know he's, he's putting out regular performances you know since his last podium last season He's finished fourth four times. And, and you know, you've seen Carlos Sainz nearly get a win in the McLaren last season. They've both got pedigree to be there and to do well and potentially even fight for championships, you know, maybe from next season. Yeah, and, and unorthodox of that driver pairing, isn't it? Because Ferrari are normally best known for having a more experienced driver, an older driver, um, and giving... Um, the second seat to a rookie to then obviously keep replacing that model you know and keep keep that going but they've gone really risky they have basically two very young drivers and Leclerc is obviously no rookie now in the Ferrari team but the point is is that they're both kind of the same age and um, it's going to pay dividends as you say I think in the future because they're looking very strong with two young talents that can actually give each other an equal fight in terms of experience ability um, along the way this season and, and maybe into the new regulations is probably what they're eyeing up the most, isn't it? And talking about former Ferrari drivers, um, Fernando Alonso, after um, Kimi Reichen yeah, this, got This is got a penalty. weird one. This is yeah. a very weird one. Yeah, we were just discussing this. Uh, Kimi Reichen did get a penalty um, 
at the end of the race uh, from Imola, uh, which dropped him 30 seconds from, I think it was P9 down to P13. Um, but it allowed Fernando Alonso to uh, score on his second race of, of his comeback. And who would have thought that? Um, Alpine have been looking like they've been struggling to get the car in, well, in where they want it to be. I guess a very unfortunate that a sandwich bag got stuck in a brake duct in the first race in Bahrain. Um, however, yeah, Alonso, well, he'll, I'm sure he'll be happy to get a point rather than not. But I, I think it's almost also that thing of drivers kind of like to do it on the track, don't they? They never like winning by penalty, but I guess Alonso will, will take it at the moment considering where Alpine kind of are at with their performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for Fernando, it's going to be one point of many. It's not going to be his last point in Formula One, that's for sure. So, you know, he's he's got to start somewhere. Um, obviously, he's got to build up. Maybe Portimao is going to be a track that will suit the car more. I mean, Ricardo had a good performance there last season. Um, so, yeah, I, I, could see, I could see potentially Alpine or Alpine even getting, uh, getting some more points this weekend. Let's just quickly mention Haas as well. Um, it does seem like they are the team that is rooting up the back of the grid this season, doesn't it? Um, unfortunately um, for Mick and Nikita. But uh, Nikita, again, struggling to get to grips with his car. Um, <laughs> Mazza spinning in uh, in free practice uh, near the pit exit, really, really close to um, sort of almost going into the pits in backwards um, and going into gravel there to pushing car. But I guess still trying to get to grips with that car, which looks very unstable, not very predictable. Uh, and again, two very young drivers um, that have just come up from the feeder series. So it's, it's pretty harsh to be very critical of them over and over again. But, um, you know, this sport is is harsh like that, isn't it? And people, including Gunter Steiner, the team principal, will want to start seeing some kind of progress, won't they? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you speak to Gunter Steiner, I think, you know, any any time now he's going to be like, this season's done, we're going to focus on next season because they, they, the, the car's not all there. It looks like he's got some balance issues. I mean, we saw Mick spinning out of the pit lane in the race, losing his front wing. So um, the car looks looks a bit of a mess this season. But, you know, hopefully if they start development early for the new regulations, they might have a car that can challenge for, for consistent points next season. Well, I was going to say about that. When do you think, Chris, that teams, when they're in this situation, they start to look at next season? Because it's a really hard balance, isn't it? And trying to divide resource in the team. Obviously, it's still very critical to try and finish in a decent spot in the current season. But you've got to get to that point where you're like, well, it's not going to, it's going to be very beneficial for us if we concentrate on this season. It's too much of a gap to kind of close down and let's try and make headway for next season. But there must be such a hard choice to make. I think it's probably going to be harder for the likes of Red Bull and Mercedes just for the fact that they're fighting mm. for the championship now. Mm. They want to win the championship now, along with then winning the championship next year as well. I mean, we saw it when the regulations changed from 2008 to 2009. The Honda team at the time was one of the worst cars on the grid. It was. In fact, it was the worst car. Yeah. You know, we, we, we saw Barrichello get a, a podium at Silverstone when Lewis Hamilton had that absolutely amazing race victory won by, I think it was over a minute <laughs> in, in the rain at Silverstone. Barrichello got a podium that race and that was only because I think maybe six people finished the race. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we then saw a year later when Ross Braun bought the team for a pound. Mm. 
you know, boom. It was the fastest car on the grid, from the worst to the fastest. And it's it, F1's got traits like that, probably because the team developed early because they knew it didn't have such a good car for that season. Just put your investment in for the next season. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. That story um, is proof that that can happen. And, exactly. um, and, you know, Haas, you know, they might as well cut their losses for this season because I, I don't <laughs> see them do, doing a whole heap the way it's going. Um, and just focus all for next season. I mean, you've got literally nothing to lose if you f- start focusing next season. Whereas if you mm. leave it later, later, late, you're going to be in the same position you are now. And be a, it's going to be a bit frustrating, obviously, for Mazepin and Schumacher, knowing that they can't really compete up there with the field. But I guess if you look back on the days of Ricardo at HRT when he was beginning the sport, look where he is now. You know, it, you do have to go through these peaks and troughs in the sport to get to where you want to be racing competitively. Yeah, I mean, we should see the same as Sebastian Vettel. He was in, in Toro Rosso, which, mm. you know, beginning of 2008 wasn't the greatest car on the grid. Um, but he still ended up winning a race in it. Yeah, that's it. Um, all right, that's all the uh, news and shenanigans from Imola. Let's take a look at some of the other news in the world of Formula One this week. Well, let's begin with what I think is the, the biggest story of the moment uh, in, in Formula One. And that's that we're going to be returning to Istanbul in Turkey in place of Canada on this season's uh, calendar. That's that. Try saying that quickly. Um, but it's, they gave us such a, an amazing race last season, wasn't it? And again, we've just had a changeable condition kind of race in in uh, Imola. And we got given that last last year in, in Turkey. And we saw Hamilton clinching that seventh world title and drove a magnificent race and really provided an amazing spectacle that I don't think we expected from... Istanbul, having not raced there for so many years, we didn't know how these new hybrid cars would actually go around the track and and um, what the race would look like. But it was it was really enjoyable. Are you glad we're going back there? Yeah, last Turkey, you know, last season in Turkey was probably one of the best races of the season. You know, we saw all sorts of things. We saw Lance Stroll getting pole position. We saw Max Verstappen dominating the race to spin and lose out. We saw Lewis Hamilton just keep it on the like. 40 year old 40 lap year old tires and winning a race you know <laughs> we had everything in that race it was incredible sebastian vettel was you know he got a podium yeah you know? out of nowhere in a, in a season that ferrari were literally struggling the most they ever had exactly it was oh it was an absolute bonkers race i mean we've already had two bonkers races this season so getting <laughs> turkey back is you know it's another treat for us this is exactly what the new direction of Formula One will want, though, isn't it? They're wanting to bring more people to the sport and create these. I think the 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 key word is unpredictability, isn't it? Because we've had so much predictability over the last few years with the hybrid era and Mercedes, and they really kind of want to disrupt that. And um, I guess Aston Martin would agree on that point, but uh, it, it has been. Um, has been very good already and it's, it's great to see that Turkey will be part of that later in the season but if we get a similar conditioned race you never know what way it's going to go um, which is which is what we love to see um, <laughs> steady on Chris I mean even that's probably a, a bit ambitious but never rule anything out I guess um, this, so I saw earlier this week as well that the Drive to Survive series which um, 
is in its third series now has been recapping the last season the 2020 season um the episode with roman grosjean and that in incredible crash uh, in Bahrain, which was remarkable to see him step away from that. The way that Drive to Survive captured that story, I think, was absolutely brilliant um, and really kind of even attracted even non-Formula 1 fans to the sport, just to how, how risky and how committed drivers have to be and putting their lives on the line to basically entertain us week in, week out. That's what it is at the end of the day, isn't it? And it's been nominated for a BAFTA. I mean, I guess... It's kind of bittersweet because obviously you'd rather that Roman didn't crash to create a BAFTA winning moment. But um, again, this is all part of the sport and the very fabric of what it's been built on over the last few decades. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible episode, very breathtaking, very heart in mouth. And um, yeah, to, to get some sort of recognition from that, from such a, a high film and television body, you know, it just sort of goes to mm. show, you know, what incredible things that you know we're sort of witnessing now yeah and it's yeah proof that um you know as as though safety is is very much improved these days in formula one that things can still happen like that and um i think everyone was very shocked uh, that it still could happen and that but equally that he walked away and thank god we were all relieved and we heard from his wife didn't we um saying i don't want him to go racing again and where is he this season he's in indycar um, so i guess you sort of never stay away from that if you're in racing you know that risk and yeah you you you, you know what you're getting into really so um but yeah we'll see if that picks up a bafta and um i don't know if roman will be like um a fifty percent recipient of it, I don't know, because he was a was a big part of the moment happening. Um, but yeah, it'd be good, be good to good to see that come through. Um, well, another major story in the last uh, couple of weeks since the last episode is F one sprint races are happening. They're trialing them at three Grand Prix uh, before the end of this season, and in terms of these sprint races, it's going to be on a Saturday where a sprint race, rather than the standard mode of qualifying, will decide the grid for Sunday's race. Is that right? Yeah. When they first announced it uh, earlier this week, it, it it seemed very weird as to how it would work. Um, looking further into it, there is still going to be a qualifying of uh, as we know it now, um, but that will set up the grid for the sprint race. Uh, and then that sprint race is, I think it's a hundred kilometers and there is no mandatory pit stop. So just basically set on a set of medium tires off you go. And yeah. And only three positions get points, uh, third, first and second, uh, first getting three points, second getting two points and third getting one point. And then the grid for the Sunday race will be determined by the order of how they finish in the sprint race. And we should say the grid for the sprint qualifying itself will be decided on Friday afternoon where we'd normally have uh, more practice sessions. So the, the grid for that will be set with an additional qualifying. So, of course, this move by Formula One is to bring more people uh, to the sport to watch it rather than just being on the Sunday for the main race because 
at the moment, people could argue that they're not really bothered about what goes on in qualifying and practice. They just see where people start and then the race happens and that's the main event. But they're basically trying to attract more fans across the whole weekend, which I guess it takes away from the tradition of the sport, Chris, doesn't it? But at the same time, we've got to move forward into these new modern times. The sport's going in a different direction. And if they want to attract fans in this way... Um, and we've almost we all got more short attention spans nowadays. We know that, don't we? With being online so much and all of that, they want to create the best possible spectacle for fans as they can. And I guess it's a sort of a big move to try and make that happen. Yeah, and also by doing something like this, it'll also you know going to a Grand Prix is not not the cheapest thing in the world, but it'll give the fans something else to look forward to. You know, a second race for you know for the pinnacle of motorsport. You know, we all, you know, if you go to say somewhere like Silverstone, you see, you know, the Porsche Cup, you see Formula Three, Formula Two, Formula One. You know, to get an extra race, you know, value for money for your ticket would be so much more worth it. Yeah, that's very true. There'll be a lot more to actually get your teeth stuck into. And and when we've been to the Silverstone Grand Prix a few years ago, wasn't it, Chris? We enjoyed seeing the F two race. So hopefully, as well, these new sprint races won't take the spotlight off of the feeder series which i know kind of was filling the the schedule a few days before but it'd be interesting to see how that kind of works as well and i guess the tracks will be more rubbered in now as a case and then we could see faster lap times perhaps that, that that's a little caveat and also uh, in the last couple of weeks it's obviously been a lot going on it's been a while but um of course in the world of formula one Lots of things happen. Um, Hamilton has, did a test for Pirelli for their new 18-inch tyres, which are going to be the, uh, well, uh, looking like they're going to be the tyre for the new Formula One cars under new regulations next season in 2022. Um, Hamilton kind of letting on, though, that he was taking part in the test because he wants to stick around, which is even more of a hint that he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting response. I mean, at the start of the season, we ha- we had, you know, is he going to even turn up for this season? You know, he didn't sign a contract until late February. Uh, and, and now, you know, a couple of months later, we we're already like, oh, is he, is he going to be for next season as well? You know, it's very cat and mouse as to, is he staying? Is he going? Is he is he going to win the championship? Is he not going to win the championship? You know, nobody knows. Um, but, you know, if, if Lewis is you know his heart's still in it for the racing you know then he he should go for it you know he's he's won a race every single season he's ever took part in even when the car hasn't been at its finest he's always found a way to to get into that checkered flag first so you know i think for all drivers really i mean fernando came back for the new regulations i think if if they want to be there they, they they've got to you know go for it I mean, Lewis, you know, looking for title number eight. It, I mean, if he stay, sticks around, maybe he's going to try and go for, you know, something like nine and ten. Who knows? Can you imagine that? And and that would, we talk about this a lot on, on the podcast with this kind of the, the, the far-reaching limits of, of Hamilton and how far he can really push these records. But if he does get nine or ten looking ahead, you know, if he decides to stick around that long and has the car behind him to do it, do you see that ever being beaten? I mean that's it's monumental, ten isn't it? Oh, I mean we 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 said this with Schumacher. Yeah. I mean we didn't expect anyone to beat Schumacher, and then you know, thirteen, fourteen years <laughs> later, we were already somebody's equaled him. Um, so 
rule, uh, records are there to be broken, as, as we know. Sebastian Vettel, one of them that loves using that phrase because he used to be the one who used to break all the records. Um, so I don't think you could never say nobody would ever get nine or ten if Lewis was to get nine or ten. Uh, I, you know, Max, you know, he's oh, he's got to be twenty three, twenty four. I think he may be twenty four at the end of this se- towards the end of this season. He, I mean, if you look at how many years he's still got left in him compared to how old Hamilton is now, I mean, Hamilton's 36. Max has still got another 12 years. I mean, if he wins a title in every year of them 12 years, I mean, that's, tw- that's 12 world championships right there. You know, drivers right now are very, yeah, drivers right now are very much looking to dominate i mean we, we we don't really like domination in formula one we, we we're very against it we want to see close racing 2012 was a great example of that but you know we had the schumacher era we had the alonso era we've now got the hamilton era we've had the vettel era we had the prost and center era formula one unfortunately is very much all about domination and you know i, I could very much see verstappen being one of them names that will be there as part of that as well. And I guess uh, all the, you know, Hamilton wanted to stick around, as you said, Alonso coming back. They're all excited for these new regulations, aren't they? And possibly the best racing that they would ever have experienced. If the regulations actually deliver on their promise, that's kind of, you know, these multiple world champions really wanting to slog it out in sort of the battle of the best ever and the best cars ever, which is what it's being coined as. It's going to be really exciting to see what's what's going ahead yeah for sure and you know from next season it's basically a clean slate for everyone nobody knows where their cars are going to be nobody has a prediction as oh uh, you know like this season our mercedes is going to be the fastest or red bull is going to be the fastest it's literally going to be slate wipe clean until testing we see you know the cars go out on track i mean some teams might sandbag and still be the fastest you know, you know, we we have absolutely no idea until we see for ourselves next season. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, it's um very exciting. I'm sure we it won't be the last time we mention it here on the podcast leading up to uh, next year. Um, let me just quickly just mention as well. Uh, Red Bull have um unveiled or sort of shared some news with uh, Sky Sports this week about their new commitment to uh, an engine factory which they're bringing in-house we already knew that with honda leaving the sport but this new factory is a real uh, investment biggest investment in the team ever since it was bought um from as it was jaguar in those days back in 2004 and now it's a very exciting step for the future of rebel and we obviously mercedes have been very dominant in the sort of last few years in the powertrain department and there's probably been a big reason of their success but Red Bull now sort of looking to emulate that going forward into the next five, ten years and could really be in the mix if Mercedes kind of keep up their performance as well. And uh, they've actually poached one of the senior technical officers from Mercedes to head up the project. So it's a really exciting time for Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull, you know, they, they've been very much one of the forefronts of, you know, change. You know, we saw again 2009, Red Bull were, you know, DC in his final race retired, but they they were you know battling in the midfield for like thirteenth, fourteenth every race. For then a season later, you know they're fighting for podiums, fighting for wins, and to be fair, apart from a couple of seasons, they they've never really been too far away from the race win. Um, so I think 
getting some Mercedes knowledge uh, on board, I think it's only going to just strengthen their you know overall package. Yes, very exciting times for the Red Bull team and hoping to carry that success into the well long-term future, which is what Christian Horner and uh, the rest of the team is looking at at the moment. Right, let's take a look at this weekend's Grand Prix in Portsmouth. So it is race week again and we are on round three. We're in Portimao in Portugal at the Algarve, taking the slot of the Chinese Grand Prix this weekend from the original calendar that they set. And we're back at a track where Lewis Hamilton took the record for the most wins in Formula One. He is looking to get pole number 100, the very first driver ever to do so with Schumacher, uh, you know, quite a way back in second place on 69 poles. But Lewis looking for 100 this weekend. Uh, Jake, after a cracking race here last year uh, where he took the race victory uh, record, you know, we've already seen great races already this season as well. Uh, what do you expect to happen from this Grand Prix? Well, we've seen an indication in the first couple of practice sessions. Obviously, this at the time of recording this podcast, we are on, on Saturday morning. So we've seen um, Mercedes... What we expected a little bit actually as well, Mercedes laying down their uh, dominance at sort of a power power dependent track is there's a lot of uh, full throttle moments uh, throughout the throughout the Portsmouth circuit. Um, so we're expecting Mercedes to perhaps to clinch a bit back, bit more performance back uh, in this race. Um, but again, you know, Red Bull are very much there. You can't write them off um, if. Bottas and Russell get into frackers again, or Bottas and Hamilton get into a little bit of a fight again. Um, they could be taken out, and Red Bull could run away with it. Uh, McLaren looking very strong as well, with a solid power unit as well, um, and the chassis looking great. And Imola, you could argue, fairly power dependent, but obviously, um, and Portimao's got some really fast sweeping sections, which has looked like it's playing into the hands of, of the McLaren uh, this season at those kind of tracks. So, yeah, again, really hard to say. It's um, it's um, all all very unpredictable, which is what we like um, at the, this moment in the season. Not really any sort of clear victor at the moment. I could I could point out, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this track. It's um, the the long straight going into sort of the fast right uh, to a double right hander and very twisting and and flowing set circuit, but very very um, demanding on the on the drivers as well, lots of high G-force around there as well. So, yeah, I always look forward to this track. I'm glad it's back on the calendar. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were talking about Valtteri Bottas earlier in the podcast, and uh, last season, he very much was the man on fire here. You know, he took most of the practice sessions, if not all of the practice sessions, took uh, all the qualifying sessions up until Lewis Hamilton then took pole. Uh, And, um, yeah, and then obviously when, when... the cars were struggling at the beginning of the race. He he was the one overtook Lewis straight away. He was in the lead until Carlos overtook him. Then he re-overtook Carlos Science. And he, he had a nice comfortable lead. And then Lewis started cracking away at that. And as soon as Lewis passed him, that, that was kind of it. Valtteri had kind of, you know, gi- given up the chase. Um obviously this weekend, Valtteri again, so far into this weekend, looks very strong. Um, it's very much a track that he he likes and it is very good for his um, driving style do you feel that maybe if Lewis gets pole again after Valtteri having such a strong practice session uh, yesterday uh, do you think one will it dent his confidence do you do you think that you know we might see again if if similar sort of race standard as last year happens again well I mean you know Bottas has been 
must have had his confidence dented on multiple occasions. It's kind of like Barrichello uh, with Schumacher, wasn't it? Ferrari. It's that kind of dynamic that you're seeing, um, and just Hamilton just in that in that totally different league to Bottas, and for whatever reason, um, yeah. But Boss, you can never write Bottas off. He's he's very consistent, but just he's just missing that slight slight edge is it's, it's it's minimal it's absolutely minimal but as we know in this sport it's it's what counts and uh if it's a thousandth of a second behind it's a thousandth of a second behind it's not in front uh and it's yeah i think yeah as we, as we were saying before earlier in the podcast it's it's only th- it's only three races in so bottas will very much feel that of course this is just the beginning is you know if, if even if he can he can get on top or even if he's slightly behind still um it's a long long season to go but i'm sure he'll be looking to get a, a win under his belt and um kind of he did the same in similar seasons uh in russia didn't he at sochi that's kind of a sort of similar feeling i guess at the moment for that yeah absolutely and um Obviously, look, looking, you know, we, we do this sort of little feature towards the end of a race week podcast uh, of who we like to think would get on the podium and who uh, we think is going to get pole. Jake did very well, Imola, predicted Max winning. Uh, so well done to you on that. Um, who do you reckon is going to be getting a pole position this week and who do you reckon is going to be on the podium? Just can't see Hamilton being stopped, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, I think Hamilton is going gonna, is gonna to be on pole and he's going to take the victory. I think Mercedes are very strong around this track. Um, if Bottas can get, collect his thoughts a little bit uh, from last race, where he seems to be doing that very well in, in, in practice anyway, and getting a bit more back, back up to speed. Um, and then third, literally could be anyone's if I'm honest, but you'd expect Max there to be in the mix or um, McLaren perhaps it depends what happens. And Perez is finding his mojo as well. Cause he got, Obviously onto P two last week in Imola, so yeah, I'm I'm not really sure about third if I'm honest. Um, but I, I, if I had to pick one, I would say Max. I oh, see. I'm 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 going to lean towards Valtteri for pole. I think over the one lap, I think Valtteri can just sort of nail it a little bit easier than Hamilton um, around Portugal. Um, but when Hamilton's on fire, you know he he does an incredible laps. Um, but I do feel. Lewis is probably going to win the race. Um, I reckon Max is going to come second and I reckon Valtteri will get third. But probably with the fastest lap. <laughs> yeah, just to claim that extra point, annoyingly, from someone else in, in the back of the field that's that's pitted four tyres on like the last two laps onto softs and uh, is trying to pick up that desperate point that they want. Like George Russell and the Williams or something, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a good tactic, actually. I'm glad that that point for the fastest lap is, is a thing. Um, cause well, it, that, it, that one point for fastest lap is what's got Lewis Hamilton exactly. at one point lead in the championship. That's it. Yeah, very, very close, as we've been saying throughout this season. And could we see a Kimi Raikkonen extravaganza gaining 10 places on the first lap again? It would be great, right? Well, Kimi was talking about this this week and he was like, I'd rather have got points than get 10 places on the first lap. <laughs> so it could happen. Um, but I think... So I think Kimi's probably more likely to get points than getting 10 places this week. Yeah, I think uh, it was just a, a one-off wonder, but could be someone else doing it. Who knows? Who knows? It's um, And we don't know until those five red lights go out, do we? Um, so yeah, really looking forward to the race, third race of the season. I can't believe we're all in the third, but we're still very early on in the season, but it's already very, very exciting. 
Well, that's been it for this week's Around the Outside podcast. Uh, don't forget to keep up to date with us on social media. We are Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and at ATO podcast underscore and on Twitter and Instagram. And next week we'll be in Spain, Catalonia for race four uh, and taking a look at what happened in this weekend's Grand Prix in Portimao and looking ahead to the circuit to Catalonia um, and what that has to offer uh, coming next weekend. But for now, it's been me, Jake and me Chris take care and we will see you next week take care